Hey guys, it's Josh Mullins with Sozo Life Ministries. We're back again talking about the grace, the power of the gospel. And I tell you what, I've really enjoyed this this uh, teaching here. It really is just very humbling once you understand more about this grace. Once we understand more that we need to be totally dependent on Him through faith in His grace, the burden of sin comes off of us. We no longer have to put trust in our performance. Aren't you glad for that? Now, if you just bear with me and just hold on and just buckle up and take a ride, I mean, I'm telling you what, this is going to change your life forever. It's really changed my life. It's made me look at the gospel in a whole different way. It's even um, helped me look at people with more compassion and it's just been a great thing. It's it's wonderful. Now in Romans 2, uh, we're going to start here in Romans 2 today. Uh, Paul started going after these Jews who were trusting in all their goodness, saying, you're just as guilty as these other people. In addition to this intuitive uh, knowledge that everyone has, you've also been given the law of God. Not only do you have an inner witness, a knowing that there is a God, and a knowing that um, right and, and wrong, and you know what the law says, but you also have an outer witness. Therefore, you're doubly guilty. In Romans 2.4, he says, Or do you despise the riches of His goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? God's goodness is what causes people to repent not His wrath. God's wrath may be able to get their attention, but it can't change their hearts. Only His goodness and mercy can do that. In Proverbs chapter 16, verse 6, it says, In mercy and truth, atonement is provided for iniquity, and by the fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. The fear of God may cause someone to decrease the amount of their sins, but it can't purge them from their iniquity. Mercy and truth are needed for that. Amen? And an, invi- an individual can actually be brought to the point of recognizing the need for salvation through preaching of God's wrath and judgment, but it's powerless to change their life. God's goodness is what leads people to repentance. Paul's saying that we are all guilty. This was what Paul dealt with in Romans 2. The Jews disrespected these non-religious people because they weren't keeping the rituals and the holy standards of the law. They were pointing their fingers and saying, there's no way we can be accepted by God. Paul turned the tables and declared, you're just making it worse on yourselves. Since you've been given a superior knowledge of God's right standards through the law, in addition to your intuitive knowledge, you're doubly guilty. You now have a mental understanding of what God has demanded of perfection and know you're not keeping it. The point of all this is is to shut their mouths. Does this all sound familiar to you today in the church? Religious people still today, to this day, condemn a non-believer. They even condemn believers. 
What I mean by religious is those who have a form of godliness and denying the power of the gospel, just like the Jews Paul was dealing with. It's no wonder the world doesn't want anything to do with the church. We are perverting the gospel and telling the unbelievers that they have to do all these religious duties in order for God to accept them. Religious people are more concerned about what you do and keeping the law rather than what Jesus did for all. We look down on them thinking that we're better than them. We, not, we might not be doing exactly what they're doing, but we ourselves can't even keep the whole law ourselves. This is where the word hypocrite comes to play. We are well known. The church is well known by, these ter- by this term. There is no small sin or big sin. Sin is sin in the eyes of God. We all are in need of a Savior. In James 2, 10, James talks about here, James chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of it all. The law doesn't give any passing grades. It's either you get it right or not at all. And this is what James is saying here in this verse. If we scored 95 out of 100, we would still be called unholy. Even though we might have done better than than our neighbor who scored 50 out of 100, we are all on the same playing field. No one is better than the other. We are all guilty. And this is what Paul was trying to summarize here. And um, in chapter 3, he's saying it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, If you're religious or not, everybody's guilty before God. The religious person doesn't really have an inside track. Religion doesn't make you any closer to God. It actually makes you more accountable. Guilty, guilty, guilty. Then the person who hasn't learned all of these right things, these right standards. You know, in Romans chapter 3, verse 10 and 11, it says, As it is written... There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. In context, the point Paul was making here is that neither the non-religious nor the religious are able to stand before God. The non-religious can't claim total ignorance because of their intuitive knowledge. And the religious person can't claim acceptance and relationship with God because they are falling short of the very things that they know both mentally and to, and and intuitively. So who is the law for? Who is the law written for? In Romans 3, 12 and 19, it says they all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. So Paul has already said that it's the gospel, the good news about God, His grace and His mercy that produces salvation. Salvation is everything you need. Forgiveness of sin, healing, deliverance, and prosperity. It's a gift, not something you earn. This is what we spoke on in the previous lesson. Salvation is the total package. It's a free gift. He has also shown that the that non uh, that non-religious people have already 
have knowledge of the wrath of God and that religious people are doubly guilty. We are all guilty before God. That's the point Paul just made. Then he came back to the religious people, specifically the Jewish nation, and said some startling things here in Romans 3.19. He says, now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. This is a radical statement. It really is. It's, um, it, some people think that the law was given for everyone. No, the law wasn't given to the religious Jew. It, or it, actually it was. It was it's the law was given to the religious Jew. It was a covenant between God and the Jew. The law was never intended for the Gentile, the unbeliever. The Jewish Christian were saying that the Gentile believers had to convert to Judaism and observe all these laws before they could become Christians. Paul said that the law was even, wasn't even given to the Gentiles. So he was saying the law was to stop, the mouth, stop every mouth. So what was the purpose of the law? According to the Apostle Paul, its purpose is completely opposite of what most people think today, or even back then. He revealed it to us in Romans 3, chapter 3, verse, or chapter 3 and chapter 4, and chapter 5 in Romans. Three were, in Romans 3, we're told that it was given to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. And that's in verse 19 of Romans 3. The law was never given for the purpose of justification. That's what the Jews were saying. And it's what, may, uh, it's what many people say today. You must keep all the precepts of the Old Testament law. God judges you based on how well you perform. That's not true. That's not the purpose of the law. In Romans 3.20, it says, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. And I did a Greek study on the word no. It means no, none. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. The law wasn't given to produce salvation or the forgiveness of sin, mercy, and truth are what purges iniquities. That's what it says in Proverbs 16.6 that we just read earlier. Mercy and truth is provided for iniquity. It's not the law. The knowledge of sin and wrath of God may motivate people to limit the amount of their sin through fear, but it, it's completely incapable of ever forgiving or wiping that sin away. Only the gospel the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ can purge our sins away. According to Romans chapter 3, verse 19, the purpose of the law is to shut your mouth. In other words, the law takes away all of your excuses and comparison. It gives you knowledge of sin and makes you guilty before God. So we are no better than any, anybody. We are no better than anybody. So in Romans chapter 3, verse 21, it says, But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Paul was saying that the righteousness of God without the law is now manifested. 
In other words, you can become righteous, enjoy right standing with God, just as if you'd never sinned. Aren't you? That's awesome because we've been completely forgiven and made clean and pure in God's sight without keeping the law. <laughs> now, this upsets a lot of religious people today and as it did in Paul's day. They're saying, what are you saying? That, that, well, it was even brought up to Paul in Romans 6. It says, so what are you saying, Paul, that we can sin so the grace of God can, can, can prevail? No, that's not what Paul's saying. It sure does sound like it, but we are not under the law. We are under the grace of God. So even if we miss it and we sinned and we've fallen short of the glory, as it says, we are still righteous through Jesus Christ, not of our own righteousness, but by His. Romans 3.21 says, But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. All the Old Testament, the law and the prophets pointed forward to this. They foreshadowed and prophesied it. People who take commandments in the Old Testament law and teach that you must do them to be accepted with God totally, they misunderstood its purpose. The law and the prophets testified to the coming of the righteous one the Lord Jesus Christ, and righteousness given as a free gift through faith in His name. The law was only a temporal thing that projected and prophesied the coming of the Eternal One. So most people think that the law was given by God to show us all the things we had to do to get right with Him. That's not right. That's wrong. I was. I believe this as well when... When I was growing up, I thought that the law was, is I mean, the law is good. It's good. It says it in the Word. The law is good. But it's not what saves us. I believe this. I, I, I believed that I had to perform in order to get God's approval. This is wrong. And this is what Paul was portraying and telling the religious Jews. And if you, if I pre, I, t I guarantee you, if I tried to preach this in a church, they probably wouldn't let me preach any longer, because of religious. How how religion has corrupted the gospel. So. That's not the purpose of the law. Remember, the law shuts our mouth, by making us aware of our sin and guilt before God. So in Romans chapter seven, verse seven through eleven. He says, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. For I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said, you shall not covet. But sin, taking opportunity by the commandment, produced in me all manner of evil desire. For apart from sin, from the law of sin, was dead. I was alive once without the law, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died, and the commandment which was to bring life I found to bring death. For sin, taking occasion by commandment, deceived me and by it killed me. So the law made sin come alive. It revived the sin on the inside of us and gave it an opportunity against us. Without the knowledge of sin, you, you're you're alive because you're not under the law. You don't have any idea of of wrong and right. 
right and wrong. You know, I remember driving um, on a road, um, and I did not see a speed limit sign. Did not see one at all. And I was, I was, thought I was going at a decent speed. I was going 45 miles an hour. And, um, no, actually I was going, I was going 55 miles an hour. And I had no idea. I'd never seen one speed limit. And I was, and I had no knowledge of any law of what the speed was. And I was just trucking along. And all of a sudden, I seen the blue and red lights come on and pulled me over. And he told me, do you know how fast you were going? I said, yeah, I was going 55. He said, well, that's not the speed limit. I said, well, I didn't see a speed limit. And he said, I, I think it, the speed limit was 35 or 40 or something like that. It was, I was, I was about 16 miles over the speed limit. And I said, officer, I, I did not see a speed limit sign. And so he gave me mercy and grace. He showed it to me and he said, just keep it down. But you know what? I was not aware of anything, but now if I go on that road again, I'm going to be aware that I'm going to watch my speed. Now, that might be a poor example, but that's the only example I can think of. But the, but the law made sin come alive. It revived the sin on the inside of us and gave it an opportunity against us. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 56, the sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Now, it's making out to, you know, where the law is it doesn't sound like the law is any good for us, but it actually uh, points us to the direction, but it doesn't save us. The law didn't strengthen us in our battle against sin. It strengthened sin and its battle against us. This runs contrary to what most people think of the law. They believe that the law was given to break, to break sin's dominion over us over us. It's not true. Once we understand the message of grace, this will forever change the way we live our lives. We are no longer under the law, but we are under grace. Amen. Now, now I started to learn more about this, about grace, the grace of God, and, and I seen that it wasn't even, that I started to see that I wasn't even any better than anyone else who didn't even go to church. The gospel, when I understood, when I understood it, it, uh, it humbled me. But it's but I was still confused. I mean, when you're tutored by the wrong school all your life, thinking that uh, you're being taught right through the word, and you find out differently, and you find out that I didn't have to perform all this stuff, it humbles you. So I was taught to live a life of performance in order to be accepted of God. You know, the law. We were so sin. We grew up so sin conscious all our life. We couldn't boldly come to the throne of grace. We thought that we, we, we looked like a whipped puppy, our tail between our legs. That's what we look like. So it, this had me confused about why does the Word say to put off sin? Sin, sin, sin. That's all we heard in church was, don't do this, don't do that. You can't sin, you can't do that. You know, so... And I was confused about this now after I started getting a hold of this gospel. So I said, are we doing this in our own strength? Because it tells us to put off sin. 
You know, we're, we're taught to follow the law. So I had so many questions that I didn't even know how to ask God to reveal these things to me. I, I couldn't even put my question in a sentence. So as, I was, so as I was speaking to the Lord and trying to get this question I had out in the open, the Holy Spirit helped me form the question that I had inside of me so I could ask Him this this question. And a few minutes later, he answered my question. He didn't only help me form the question, but he helped me answer, or he answered the question for me. So I can say, um, I can say the Holy Spirit is, he's a wonderful teacher and, and he so much wants to reveal himself to us in his word. So here's the question the Holy Spirit helped me ask. So here it is, if grace, here's the question, if grace doesn't require a performance in keeping the law, then why does it say in your word to put off sin? So here's the answer he gave me. He says, when you truly understand the grace of God, it brings you to a place of humility. You deserve death, but in exchange, grace gave you life because Jesus took that judgment and the penalty of sin off the entire human race. When you receive this grace by faith, you become a new creature in Christ Jesus. And the more you meditate in the word and the more you understand my nature and you will see what I hate and then you will begin to hate what I hate. This will make you live wholly accidentally than you ever did on purpose because of the grace, not because of your performance. Isn't God so awesome? He's so wonderful. He is awesome. So we have lived with being sin conscious so long. It has made us insecure in our faith. It's, it's, it's made us insecure even to ask Him things. We, we always think that we have to do the right thing, and if we didn't get them right, then we condemn ourselves. And this makes, a, it, makes it very hard to come boldly to the throne of grace. It really does. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So, Back back to this, here it says Romans 6.14, For sin shall not have dominion over you. Romans 6.14, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but you are now under grace. If we are under the law, then sin has... If we are under the law, sin has dominion over us. This is sin consciousness. You're in performance mode. The law strengthens sin in the battle against us, not us in the battle of, against sin. Why? Simply put, uh, when Paul here said sin had already been defeated, or uh, well, or sin, al- I'm sorry. Here it says sin had already defeated us. So if even if we kept 99 out of 100 commandments, that one broke. The, that one that we broke caused us to become guilty of every one of them. Back to James chapter 2, verse 10. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. So in God's eyes, even the slightest sin contaminates us. He doesn't grade on a curve. He doesn't just take the people who are closer to keeping the law as better than others. It's all or nothing. 
either we're perfect or we need a Savior. Since no one can keep the law, sin had already defeated us. Those who are trying to overcome sin were fighting a losing battle because all have already sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23 There was no way to completely destroy what had been done. So the law was given to, to bring us out of our deception that we can ever save ourselves. So God revealed what real holiness is for those who think I'm close. I'm a pretty good person. He gave a standard of holiness that was so detailed, step one through 10,000, that it was impossible for anyone to ever keep it. The purpose of the law was to drive us to our knees and say, if this is what God commands, I can never keep it. The law wasn't given so we can keep it it was given to show us that we can never keep it. Once we're aware of this, we find ourselves shut up to the fact that we need a Savior. We realize that forgiveness and mercy is the only avenue on which we'll ever have the right standing with God. That was the purpose of the law. I was never taught this. This is totally opposite of what I was taught growing up, and I'm sure... It's totally opposite what you were taught. And I guarantee you, you listening to this, it's going gonna, it's gonna to raise questions. And you're going to be like, well, that, no, that just, just, um, and I'm backing this up with Scripture. This is all Scripture. So I want to give you another illustration here. Imagine being in a large room with many people. And if God walked in and said, you must all. Jump and touch the ceiling or you're going to die. So what would you do? So if the ceiling was only eight feet tall, you might be able to jump high enough to save yourself. But what if the ceiling was 30 feet tall? We might be able to jump higher than someone else, but 30 feet was the... So if, if 30 feet was the minimum, you'd be, we'd all be doomed. All you can do is plead for mercy... Likewise, God raised the bar so high through the law so that no one can measure up. It was to show us that none of us can save ourselves. We do need a Savior. We're all in need of a Savior. We, there might be some of us that do better than the other. You know, we might not drink, smoke, cuss, chew. We might not lie. We might do, but there's always something. You know, unbelief, unbelief is a sin. Because it's, it's, it's a, an enemy against faith. Unbelief is a sin. Do you know it tells us in the Bible to keep all the commandments of the, of the, of the land, you know? We have to keep the law. And if, like, you know, if you're speeding, you're sinning. Now, we, we don't look at that. Like, we don't look at it that way. There's times that, I, I guarantee you, there's times that we sin and don't even know it. So this right here, this statement is very humbling and it makes you realize that we can't put faith in our own selves. So the law was given to condemn it was given to condemn you, to kill you. Second Corinthians chapter three, verse six and nine, it says, Who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit, for the letter kills, but the spirit give, gives life. 
For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. This means it's supposed to knock you flat on your back so that the only way you couldn't look the only way you could look was up. Sad to say, religion has turned it around and it's encouraged you to embrace the law in trying to keep it by thinking you can earn right standing with God. It's impossible. That cannot happen. Paul is bringing this in bringing this out in in these passages of scripture in Romans chapter 3 verse 21 and 22 it says but now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed being witnessed by the law and the prophets even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe for there is no difference verse 22 it says it, it emphasizes the righteousness of God there are two kinds of righteousness here. In Romans chapter 9, verse 30, What shall we say then, that Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness of faith? Romans 10.10, 10, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The righteousness that comes by living as best you can according to the law may benefit you and your relationship with the other people and limiting Satan's inroads in your life, but it's totally ineffective in achieving right standing with God. No matter how good you do, you're still far short of what the Lord intended and demands. But the righteousness that comes from God, a God-given righteousness, is perfect, holy, and so much greater than any righteousness you could ever obtain through your own efforts. So we're all in the same boat. We've all fallen short of the glory. So in Romans 3.23, for all sin and fall short of the glory, this scripture is often used to preach guilt and condemnation. The goal was to make you feel unworthy and recognize your need for God. So let's consider this verse in context in verse 22 back here. It says just say that we receive the righteousness of God, which is by faith, and to all upon them that believe. Speaking of both religious and non-religious, the holy and the non-holy, it's a gift to both. In God's eyes, there is no difference. It doesn't matter how religious or holy anyone is. Everyone has sin in their lives and comes short of His glory. I know there's people right now that are you know, probably won't listen to him anymore. There's probably people that um going to contest this, but that's just religious people. And I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. So God's standard, His standard isn't us it, or somebody else's. It's it's or some religious system. It's Jesus. And every one of us have come short of his standards. No, no one measures up to Jesus. No one. Romans 3.24 says, Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Do you know he only justifies the wicked? He justifies us. Thank God. The emphasis here is that we were all in the same boat. We're all sinners and we've all been justified freely by his grace. 
through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. This is pretty powerful. For the rest of the chapter, Paul summarized by saying, in essence, it doesn't matter if you are better than someone else. All have sinned and come short of God's glory. Therefore, we all need to be freely justified. We can't claim that we're closer to God and need less of His grace than someone out there living a totally reprobate life. We all need the same thing. We all must come to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 3.28 Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Oh my gosh, this is so awesome. This is so awesome. And if we could just understand more and more and more of Romans, I encourage you to continue listening. Um, feel free to send questions, comments, whatever. Because this, this gospel will set you free. Yeah, you might... Um, you might be saved, you might be born again, but you know, you can live a very limited life. I mean, you can still go to heaven, but you can live a very limited life here on earth if you just, if you don't acknowledge the truth. Well, I, I'm tired of living, I got tired of living the way I was living, even though I was born again, but I was not seeing results. I was living in a sin conscious nature. I was not really having faith in Him, but I was having more faith in myself and what I can do for Him. So I encourage you to read, just meditate on the Word in Romans. If you could understand the first eight chapters of Romans, I encourage you to, and I don't fully understand a lot of it, but the things that I do, I'm teaching. Um, I would never teach anything apart uh, without knowledge. But... Um, but if we can understand fully, I don't believe we can ever exhaust the gospel. But I encourage you to just meditate and get in there and and just follow follow along with us. And um, so, you, my name's Josh Mullins, and we're at Sozo Life Ministries. And you can actually follow us on Facebook at um, Sozo Life Ministries on Facebook or Twitter. Just uh, type that in, and you'll you'll recognize our logo. So, um, and you can. Just uh, contact us through that or this link here, um, the podcast link here. And we're on iTunes and stuff like that. So you could uh, contact us through there. And just, in, just um, you all have a wonderful evening and God bless you all.